when we get into a fight, this is what my body is telling me to do to help the fight, to help the relationship, to help myself, to help you. A lot of pursuers will say, my criticism of you is helpful because it tells you what you're getting wrong so that you'll be motivated to change it, you know? And it's so precise. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) And on the other side of that, the withdrawer, their strategy in that moment, you start to go, oh, I see. The reason I'm leaving the room is because it's not beneficial for myself or our relationship for me to stay in this chaos. I'm Angela. And I'm Chad. And we discuss issues that couples face in everyday life Then we set you up to have a conversation with your partner that's designed to bring you closer together. This is the Connecting Couples podcast with the real Emhoffs. Real conversations for a real connection. We're back. Our one-month hiatus, five months later, we're excited to bring you content. We've had a few hiccups along the way. We've both had COVID. We both had to recover. We've been sick. We've had some travel things. Uh, But we are excited to bring you this new content. And let's just dive in. Yeah, let's do it. I mean, really what we want to do in this episode is set the foundation for what we're going to talk about in this series. We're going to talk about pursuers and withdrawers and kind of how we get stuck, why we do what we do and how things go in our relationship because of that. We've really had quite a few conversations during our break about what we want to bring to you to help you guys have a more connected relationship. And one of the things that we came back to was really going back to the basics. Very early on when we started this podcast, we did our first series, The Basic, which was just a few episodes, who's a pursuer, who's a withdrawer, how the cycle plays out. But over time, we've really not gone back to some of the really deeper motivations, the good, the bad, the great strategies, the hardships that our strategies have on our relationship. And so what we want to do is really kind of expand some space and conversation around pursuers and withdrawers. That's what this whole series is going to be about, unpacking a little bit more deeply what your role is. Are you the pursuer? Are you the withdrawer? Can you recognize some of the things we've been presenting to you, some of the things we've been kind of sharing that pursuers and withdrawers do, and how you can really start to hone in on a shift in how you present what's happening to you in distress. One of the things that I think is interesting is most people that I talk to say, this feels natural, whatever I do, whether I'm a pursuer, withdrawer, whatever. It's not like a a thought out process. Like we're not going, oh gosh, I wonder what I should do. It really is back to that idea of like when things get heated, when a moment arises that says, "Uh uh-oh, we're in trouble or, "Uh uh-oh, this is going bad. Our body says, do this thing. We don't have to question it. It really is a quick thing that really I believe is trying to dampen down or kind of soften or change the outcome that we're afraid will come if we don't adjust. I think it's important that you even say that it happens naturally because it's not like I'm on my side going cognitively, this is when I'm going to increase my volume or speed or get critical or, you know, say what I think you're getting wrong. Although that's what happens. Or on your side that you're going, now is when I'm going to withdraw. Like we don't cognitively think about our strategies. We just do them. And one of the things we've really been discussing a lot in our break, we've done a couple workshops, we've really kind of been unpacking how this lands on couples, is trying to help couples understand how this content could be impacting their relationship. Some real practical words and ways that you can almost test or 
assess the shift or the growth in your ability to talk about what's going on for you. A lot of times we'll see couples that are getting this and even they come to our workshops and go, oh, this is so impactful and I understand more. But in the heat of the moment, in the distressing conversation, it doesn't feel like we have learned anything new and that cycle hijacks us. So we want to really unpack practically what some growth might look like. Yeah, I mean, for me, I I think having some language is great. I think having the knowledge is great, but really stopping a cycle or being able to fight it in the moment is so much different. I mean, you have to really believe some of this stuff in your bones and I think have uh, the recall or the words on hand um, so that you can pull it out and use it in that moment. If 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 me and Angela even are getting in a fight or getting in a, a tough spot and I say, hey, we're getting into our cycle, it doesn't mean that we don't still feel like we're in our cycle, right? Um, Just calling out the cycle isn't necessarily a magical thing that'll stop it, but at least we start to have a bit of a conversation about something other than what we see our partners doing or what we see ourselves doing. It really starts to kind of give us something to hold on to. We get out of fighting about the content and we discuss the process that is happening in our body. Instead of me getting mad at Chad about something he did or didn't do, I can go into, hey, this is what my body is is urging me to tell you or yeah. urging me to fight for or, you know, protest because I think something's unfair or my body is going, ah, you yeah. know, make this more urgent to him. There's a process that happens within us. And a lot of times our partner only sees kind of the manifestation of that process. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't, it doesn't decode for them how we got there and what's happening, all the steps that, that, you know, that interaction led to what they see. It's so funny because I, I was talking to, we were in North Carolina talking to a group of people and, uh, I was saying, man, how do you, how do I explain that? I feel like, um, pursuers sometimes put more of their words out there. Uh, they're not necessarily, and I don't mean this in a negative way at all, but they're not always like, they're kind of trying to work it out or build it as they go where withdrawers really want to have it built. And so I was talking to a group of people and, and I just was like, man, we just have to like show our work. And I, and I think that's true for, for pursuers and withdrawers, not necessarily the work that we want to show sometimes like the, the work about our partner or, yeah. or our internal, like having it all together. If you're a withdrawer, right? Like somehow trying to figure that out. I think it's like, Hey, I'm really trying to figure this out. Just saying that can change the interaction. And so that's really what this whole thing is about is, can we start to have some language about that? Can we start to like say, Hey, I'm going to try to let you into my process. You're going to let me into your work, your yeah. long division, so to speak, so that we can actually have a productive conversation and show up for each other. Everybody wants to be married that I know of. <laughs> that is married. Uh, yeah. yeah. And a few that aren't even. <laughs> well, and I'm, I'm just saying, like, it's, it's important that we go, yeah. hey, wait, we want to be in relationship. I want to just reiterate that we are not trying to talk you out of your strategy. We don't want withdrawers to be pursuers. We don't want pursuers to become withdrawers. Not at all. The hope is that we start to see growth in a different way, that pursuers could have a little bit more awareness of their process and that withdrawers could be a little bit more engaged in the process. Yeah. It's just a, a tiny little shift in how we interact with each other. I was thinking about what Chad just said, and we um, are currently doing an engagement couples class where we take engaged couples through a lot of this material and we assign mentors to them. And one of our mentor couples who are dear friends of ours and have been through a few of our workshops, 
he was explaining how he sees withdrawers and pursuers, yeah. and I love it. He said, you know, it's like pursuers are sharing with their partner the rough draft of their manuscript and then the first draft and then the second draft and they're sharing every draft along the way and sometimes withdrawers can be like oh, okay this is a work in process and I don't know even what you want me to hold <laughs> from what you have been sharing yeah. with me but that withdrawers don't share the rough draft or the first or second draft they want to share with their pursuers the published draft that yep. is complete and thought through and finished. And so even that can feel like for a pursuer, why aren't you letting me in sooner to that work to help me, uh, to let me help you edit it a little bit along the way? Yeah, yeah. Or withdrawers thinking of their pursuers, why can't you like edit, do one or two edits on what you're processing <laughs> before you share it with me so that I have a little more clarity what you're trying to say? Yeah. Even in that, it's really going into the process, not the content. So we want to talk a little bit about that process to help you really start to kind of look within and go, what is my process? Yeah. So we have this idea of escalation, right? That really what we're talking about is like in a, in a fight, when things feel distressed, when me and Angela disagree or you and your partner disagree, what, what is it like for you? There's, there's this energy, right? There's something comes online and says, uh Oh, we're doing this thing. And if, if you've never had language around pursuer or withdrawer, escalation just feels like a fight. I mean, I probably yeah. have always thought, heck, we're in a fight or this is going bad, or this is going to be a rough night or whatever you say to yourself. But really in the beginning of kind of trying to unpack some of this escalation just means we're fighting and it's going to go the way it goes. And now here we go. We're going to be in a fight for a few hours, a few days, a few weeks, however that looks for you. Um, but, but escalation, all we're talking about is your body is sending big messages and you know, uh Oh, we're doing this thing. I'm either going to be left of as, as a, if you know, you're a pursuer or I'm going to be in trouble and shut down as a withdrawer. So that idea of early on, not really understanding what your role might have been, maybe before a creative for connection or before you got into therapy or before you heard this podcast and you, you didn't quite know what was going on, but you knew that you and your partner weren't able to, a lot of people will say, communicate effectively, right? Yeah. And so we, we really want to try to identify the difference between not knowing what this content or material is about and what it starts to look like when you start to understand it and then are able to apply it. So that early couple, they're fighting a lot. They feel missed a lot. A pursuer will often, and this is just part of the nature of the beast, blame the withdrawer if the withdrawer would only do more then. And the withdrawer internally will go if the pursuer could just calm down, but they're in a fight and they're not able to hear each other. That's early on escalated couple. Now at our last workshop, we actually had a couple say, we don't really ever fight. And so we want to just clarify for a moment that you can still be escalated, even though you're not manifesting fights in your relationship. Yeah. The question you come back with is, do you both feel heard and understood? Do you both feel like your input is received and respected by your partner? Do you have a connected relationship? And a lot of times, maybe because they learned it in their family of origin, or it's just a gender role they feel that they're in, you'll see a couple who 
kind of takes the high road and is polite to each other and therefore they don't fight. However, when you dig a little bit deeper, you realize that they don't always feel understood or heard or respected or that their contribution doesn't feel appreciated. And so that can still be internally escalated, even though it doesn't look like big fighting. Yeah, for sure. And I want to just say like, it's, it's easy to get stuck in these escalated cycles. And then all of a sudden, uh, that escalation, that kind of, uh, I want to, I want to call it like a body's response to this threat in our relationship. It becomes the whole relationship. Yeah. And so a lot of times we'll talk to people and they'll say, Oh my gosh, if we could just get out of town for a little while because we can do life together when things are simple or when they're, but, but we find that escalation shows up when life gets a little bit stressful or when hard times show up, we don't have enough money. The kids are needing to go everywhere all the time or whatever might just work stress, the things that show up in life, but escalation really kind of ends up defining our relationship instead of the best parts of our relationship, the parts that we all want to be able to enjoy, you know, the love, the connection, the bonding times that we have, the ability to comfort one another. And so escalation is really a nasty thing. People talk about de-escalation, and so de-escalation just means that we're going to not do that as much. We're, it doesn't mean that we're never going to be escalated or that we're never going to be um, tense or have hard moments, but we're able to kind of repair that. We're able to say, hey, I'm, I'm doing this thing or, hey, I, I feel bad and I need your help, right? We can ask for what we need. There are lots of stages and, and levels to de-escalation, but really the most basic one is that we just don't fight as often. Now, it's not because we're avoiding it. It's not just because we're not talking about subjects. But it, it means that we actually can talk about a subject and even disagree and not get this visceral kind of response that we generally have in escalation. You know, I think about when a couple finally gets to therapy yeah. or finally decides to do something. There's a statistic that says that couples often will be in an escalated hard place in their relationship for like seven years yeah. before they will see a therapist or finally decide. And, and man, that is a long time to be in a distressed situation. Yeah. When you've been escalated for a really long time, what happens internally, the story you tell yourself about your partner or about yourself can start to get really nasty. You can start to attack your partner's character or or stop trusting them or hold resentment or bitterness. And that's just really hard on a relationship. And, you know, a lot of couples have been in or could be still are in that place. And so what we want to start to do is say, how do we then start to shift from there? And so you've, you know, decided to go to therapy or you decided to read a book or listen to a podcast and you go, okay, wow, there's this thing that happens. One's a pursuer, one's a withdrawer. And a lot of times, even in escalation, a pursuer can can shift a little because they're so worn out trying. Yeah. They just they kind of just stop and disengage, and that's a really hard thing also in a relationship. But let's say that there's a little bit of engagement. You're like, we're going to read a book, we're going to figure it out. I'm the pursuer, you're the withdrawer, yeah. and this is what that means. When we get into a fight, this is what my body is telling me to do to help the fight, to help the relationship, to help myself, to help you. A lot of pursuers will say, my criticism of you is helpful 
because it tells you what you're getting wrong so that you'll be motivated to change it, you know? And it's so precise. I love it. (laughs) And on the other side of that, the withdrawer, their strategy in that moment, you start to go, oh, I see. The reason I'm leaving the room is because it's not beneficial for myself or our relationship for me to stay in this chaos. And so we start to see these strategies make sense in the cycle. So now you go, okay, I'm a pursuer, I'm a withdrawer, here's how it plays out. But how does that impact your relationship? What are you supposed to do next once you have the awareness of what your strategy is? Man, it's hard. Uh, If you can have a conversation about, hey, this is what I'm doing, this is what's going on inside me, it can kind of start to slow it down and shift it. We're just trying to make small changes to what we do. We're not trying to change every bit of ourselves. I'm not trying to turn every pursuer into a withdrawer or to a shutdown place or have them not feel all these big feelings. What we're trying to do is help them express exactly what they feel internally. Same thing with withdrawer. We're not trying to say never go away from distress or never go to your head for logic around situations, right? We're saying, no, let your partner, especially in this intimate relationship, let your partner into your process. Really do that long division, right? Show show your work with your partner so that your partner can go, oh, there's something happening in there, yes. right? And so that nobody is abandoned or left and, and nobody feels like they're a failure either. Just we don't have to have the perfect answer all the time in order or the final draft to, to be accepted, to be loved. And so if we can all kind of take a step back from some of our escalation from our tendencies, the visceral responses we have and say, okay, this thing is happening to me and I'm going to trust this relationship to have a conversation about what's happening inside me. I think that's the growth that happens once you start to get this stuff. You go, okay, now that I have an awareness, there is a potential for a repair. And it's not that couples fight that gets really, really bad. It's that couples don't have experience repairing. They're not able to come back and actually you know, repair the connection that's been disconnected. And so that growth looks like my ability to come back to the relationship and say, hey, I see that this went bad. I didn't want it to go bad. I see my part of it. Or or can we come back and try to talk about the process? Very early on when Chad and I were learning about this, there was a fight that we were in and neither one of us really had a, a clear or clever understanding of this. We still couldn't, you know, figure out the language. But at one point, Chad just kind of stopped and went, something is going on in your heart. Can you tell me? And I was like, I don't even know what's going on. But But he said well, I'm engaged and I'm thinking about it. I'm not just being quiet. Like his quietness sent a message to me and my chaos sent a message to him. And he was able to kind of just pump the brakes and say, we are in a process that's happening. And it paused enough for both of us to kind of think about our process. And that was just enough that it felt less distressed. It felt like, oh, wait a minute, we're in this cycle together. And that's what we really love trying to do, unite couples together against their cycle, against the thing that is hijacking them. So that's what we want to do in our Connect Point. The Connect Point is designed to help you have a different conversation about how you experience your relationship. Small adjustments lead to big change over time. Take some time to practice with us now. All right, in this Connect Point, what we're going to do is really focus in on, am I a pursuer? Am I a withdrawer? So if you know that, that's great. We can use that for this. But we want you to really focus on what does the escalation tell me to do? I want you to take some time and say, 
as a withdrawer for me, I tend to, and write down two or three things, go to my head, need some distance, want to calm it down. Those would be a few examples. After I've written those down, I'm going to go and share that with my wife. I'm going to say, Angela, these are some things I tend to do. I notice in distress, if I'm on the pursuer side of that and we're doing this, I've noticed I tend to escalate my volume, escalate the speed of my voice because I really want to help you understand how urgent this is for me. And so those are three things I, Angela, have noticed in mine. And I can come to chat and say, I want you to know that I recognize when I start to get escalated. These are some of the things that I do. That's what we want you to try to do in this connect point is bring some awareness around your strategies to your partner. Now, we always want to set you up for a good response. So partners, all we're asking you to do is say, man, thanks for sharing that awareness with me. That's it. That's that's enough for this one. We're going to dive into quite a few more specific things about pursuers and withdrawers in the upcoming episodes. And we'll have more opportunity to respond a little bit differently as we continue on in the series. But we're just starting ourselves off with understanding a few strategies. And now it's time for you to go connect with your partner. Thanks so much for listening to us. If you've enjoyed this podcast, one of the best things you can do for us is to share it with another couple that you think could benefit from it. You can rate us and give us a review on your listening platform, and you can follow us on our Facebook page, The Real Emhoffs. If you want to support our nonprofit that makes resources available for couples, you can check out the Ways to Give tab on our website, therealemhoffs.com. We love to hear from our listeners, so feel free to message or email us with ideas you might like us to talk about or the ways that our ConnectPoint conversations are impacting your relationship. Thanks, Thanks again. again.